0: You're listening to Inside the Ropes, Australia's must-listen-to golf show with exclusive content from both home and abroad. Subscribe now through your favourite podcast app. Welcome to the Australian Golf Show. You've joined Tiffany Cherry and Mark Allen Inside the Ropes as we check in with a golf fan and former captain of the Australian netball team, now head of women's cricket Victoria, Sherelle McMahon. There's also Marco's Masterclass, looking forward to that one. And the Gazelle Martin Blake joins us a little later with all the latest news around the traps, including the massive win by Lucas Herbert, Mark, over the weekend. I know you were super excited about this one for his major PGA Tour title.
1: Yeah, just incredible. Uh, he's had an amazing couple of years. Yeah, He won in Dubai. We all thought that was incredible. When he won the Irish Open this year, mm. that was special. And, you know, that gets him into the top 100 in the world and, and, and wonderful. Then he went over. Uh, on the strength of the you know just the way he's been playing he got into this four tournament series four week series to get his card he came second i think in the first tournament basically they just nailed his card it was done and dusted but still to come out and win your third tournament as a member yeah you know, i think he's had about you know, 20 odd starts or something oh, it was his 19th was it 19th so so he's had 20 odd starts over there but it's a different situation. When you're now a member and you're trying to keep your card, this is the most important thing. And not many people keep their card in their first uh, season. Well, you know, when we see him win the way he did, and, you know, there were some good players in that tournament, uh, it was just amazing to watch. And I'm just so happy.
0: You speak about good players. He beat the uh, uh, the 2018 Masters champion Patrick Reed. who was breathing down his neck and he held it out uh two under he carded for the final round in unbelievably mm. tough conditions.
1: Yeah, that's right. And, and look, Danny, Danny Lee's no slouch either, the New Zealand kid. Mm. And he actually, not many people know this, he actually did the Bryson D DeChambeau before Bryson did. So he put on all this weight. He went to the gym and he's actually put on about 25 yards, or so what's that, about 20 metres onto his driving distance. <laughs> I, I reckon what Danny Lee did might have been a precursor for... Bryson DeChambeau. So, look, there, there were some very good tournament players uh, around that week. Everyone's trying to get off to a good start, but to win in your third start, incredible. And you know, Martin Blake's going to tell us a little bit later in the program what that gets him. So, you know, stick around for Gazelle because that's yeah. going to be huge.
0: And did you see it coming? You spoke about obviously he won the Irish Open, and um, and but then he missed a couple of cuts, but um, right. he but he managed to uh, to get his coach over, I believe.
1: Yeah, well, someone so, I, I, someone told me that he uh, didn't like missing the first couple of cuts, had two weeks off and, and gave, I think it's uh, Dominic Hazapati He's always yep. been his yep. coach. So gave uh, Dominic the call and then away they went.
0: Well, guess what, Marco? I've actually got Dom Hazapati joining us right now. He's at the airport on his way to Mexico to meet up with Lucas. He's nursing, as you quite expect, a little bit of a sore head, as I'm sure all of them are. But, Dom, great to have you join us. Exactly where are you?
2: Yeah, good day crew. I'm in Atlanta. I'm just flown from Bermuda to Atlanta. I've got a, a little bit of a stop over here and off to Cancun, Mexico for this
1: week's event. So there's no rest for us. So Dominic, we, we're dying to know he missed the first couple of cuts. You get the call. Please uh-huh. come over and help me here, mate. What did you tell him? What was the difference, Dominic? I was waiting for this. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, he struggled, obviously. I mean, it, it's, it's, as you know, Marco, you know your fundamentals break down after so long. You know, there's only so much you can do. Um, you know, FaceTiming and, and chatting, and there's nothing better than seeing ball flight and listening to the sound of strikes. And mate, he just he struggled a bit, obviously for the first two events and missed the cuts. And yeah, he just he got onto me and said, mate, I know it's going to be hard. You know, you're going to have to, you know, perhaps even be out of the country till Christmas um but you know it's it's what i do mate um you know i've done it for 12 years with him and and that that call you know i was on the next flight flight over there and yeah we did some really good work for a couple of weeks we had two weeks off um preparing for this and you know i was hoping to sort of you know if we can get top 10 top 20 i would have been wrapped but the guy's just that good mate he just knows how to win
0: so what did you actually do what what did you tinker with what did you change?
2: Um. Look, I saw it happening probably the last of the uh, Corn Fairy finals that he played. He, he sends me a few videos, and it was starting to get really shut and inside for him. And, you know, he's got that unique move, which he's always done from the top, where he does flatten it out a little bit, shallower it. So when he gets, um, you know, shut and inside and then creates that move, he just can't – he's got no space, got no time to get through the ball. Um, and, you know, he's, he's going to hit a lot of lot – of, Rights, and then you know to stop that he's got to use his hands and and flip a lot and that's what was going on so uh you know to be honest you know it was probably a little bit worse when i got over there and had a look at it um but he was super to work with you know he he needed help obviously and and just bought into everything that i want to do with him and you know within four three four days of being here you know he was hitting it so much better um and you know i knew that you know it's it's not as if it was anything new it's just you know, we know when he swings it well, when he plays good, That you know, his fundamentals, you know, we know what they look like and it's just a matter of getting it back to, to you know, how he. we know he plays his best golf.
1: Mm. So, Dom, I missed the first three rounds, just caught up with the scores and just saw little bits and highlights. But in that last round when we heard it was going to be a windy day, I mean, I really thought, here we go. This is this is a, a wonderful chance for this kid. because I've played with him before in tournaments on windy days. And he has his piercing ball flight. It's almost like the wind hardly touches it. But I did notice he had this two-on in the bag. Did he he throw that two-on in the bag just for the windy day or was it in there all week?
2: No, it was in there all week. I mean, it had been really windy. Uh, He shot uh, one under on Thursday. It was incredibly windy Thursday. He was two over through three holes. And I'm thinking, you know, where's this going? Um, But he's a fighter and, you know, yeah, you're right. He loves the wind. Um, We've worked on that for years, you know, that controlling that ball flight. So that two iron either goes in the bag or the five wood goes in, but it was obviously a week for the the two iron to go in rather than the five wood. Uh, I think the previous time he'd used that was when he played in the Open this year. So, yeah, it's it's a club that, you know, he just controls really well. But it's not just that, mate. It's all all the iron play, you know, that he's learned over the years. Yeah, and we've worked so hard on that just to to be able to play in that sort of condition.
1: And just about the chipping as well. I mean, I thought the hitting was magnificent, Mm -hmm. but there were some fiddly little chips and that bunker shot on 16 into the wind with the ocean in the background. I mean, they're nervous times. Have you have you worked on that? Because he looked so clean with those important short shots around the greens.
2: Yeah, I mean, that that was the area of his game that, you know, we spoke about last night that he thought you know, it was really good. He and, and he probably won't like me saying this, uh, you know, in this context, but you know, his comment after the round was, you know, I didn't even play that great. That was my B-grade game, you know, <laughs> but he said he chipped it great, you know, and that that's so exciting to hear. And, and in some ways I agree, you know, he particularly, you know, Saturday, Thursday, Saturday, he didn't play that great, but that's a sign of really good players to yeah. still shoot scores, you know, when, when they're not, you know, they've got their B-grade game. Um, but his chipping was elite um, all mm-hmm. week,
1: Yeah.
2: and that bunker shot, you know, he said, "Oh, mate, it." Wasn't that, you know, it was wet sand, down slope, into the wind. It was, it was easy, you know. That, yeah. That's what he said to me. I mean, not in that situation, but
1: you he know. hit one of those in Ireland as well when he won the Irish yeah. Open. There was another bunker yeah, shot, hit, just the same. Hit two but it was of them. unbelievable.
2: Yeah. yeah, exactly. Hit two on fifth, one on fifteen, I think one on. 16 nylon, just phenomenal. He's he's a great bunker player. He's got great hands. As you know, Mark, you've played enough with him. Hmm. Um, And, you know, he's just elite around the greens.
0: I just love his mental attitude. I love his whole disposition and uh and just his reaction obviously afterwards so exciting but you know he's just super excited about what the next two years hold and we know he's now got a shot at the masters he's inside the top 50 I think he's number 43 in the world he gets a two-year exemption just talk to us about the conversations you've had since and you know and as you start to plan for the next few years what's he saying
2: yeah I mean that that's all just sinking in today I guess what it what it means for us as a team to be able to um, plan out our schedule so much more, you know, and that, that helps us with our travel, all of us, you know, with families and things to be able to, you know, work out when we can come over for a couple of weeks, you know, it's always hard uh, when you don't know your schedule that well. Um, But now we sort of know it that, you know, we can really plan the next 12 months and have certainty around what event he's going to play. And, you know, I think that's, that just is so, um, it's the first time for many, many years, really, that we've had that, um, and it's going to be really good for us. Um, you know, even do training blocks, get him in the gym a little bit, and, you know, get him a bit fitter, and you know, just give him the opportunity to take his game to the next level again, which is you know what he
1: wants to do. And Dom, just oh, the fa- the final one for me, Dom, the final one. Um, does he realise how much the Americans are going to love him? Just his style, the way he plays. I mean, the follow-throughs, the the leaving everything, you know, on the tee and just really going after the ball. I, I know it's a different kind of thing in Europe, but in America, they are going to gravitate to this kid. Do you reckon he gets it?
2: Yeah, I think he does. Um, but the most important thing for, for Herbie is that he just stays the same kid, Marco. You know, he's, he's a Benio kid. He loves... Yeah, and that's why as a team, we're so important to him as a team. We have so much fun with him, and we know that that's how he plays his best golf, and, and that's how he's happiest in life. And we can't change that. And, you know, I, I for one, won't let him change too much that's about, to you know, um, the person he is in that respect, because you're right, they're going to love it.
0: And I want to know just uh, the final one for me, the celebrations. you, you got to share, share with us uh, a little bit of that, just – how did it kick off and maybe not so much how it ended, but uh, uh,
2: how, well, how was it? Of the four of us, the caddy best on, on ground. Um, <laughs> you know, he's got the beard to match. Nick Pooey. He, he, he loves a beer. Um, he was in fine form. And look, I think for all of us, you know, I've been in the team you know, I've coached Lucas now for 12 years. You know, Nick's come back on the bag after, you know, having a stint there a couple of years ago. And just to see the success, you know, for Nick and 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 Luke the physio now um, and Jamie Glazier who who obviously is yep. back in Australia at the moment just we're just such a close team and we all support each other and, and we're all there wholeheartedly for for Herbie's you know benefit and we just put you know so much into to making the best player and the best person he can be
0: well don we really appreciate your time and uh, if people want to check out a little bit more of Legus's a week and obviously what comes up then they can certainly follow Lucas and you and your Instagram is domasgolf it's Golf. It's D O M A W S G O L F. and of course uh you do also do some training online which is domasapartygolf.com.au so we really appreciate your time go and enjoy Mexico and what's to follow and uh maybe we'll check in around the Masters.
2: Love to thanks uh thanks to having me on guys always great to speak to you. Congratulations.
1: Right. Amazing. Yeah. So, so Tiff, Tiff, yeah. who, who have you joined? That, that's an amazing story. Fantastic. And I know Martin Blake's going to have so much more a little bit later on, on what it means yep. Yep. and what that gets you. But I'm really keen to know who you've cherry picked for us this week.
0: Well, coming up after the break, she's not someone known for a golf, although she has a very impressive swing. Maybe we can uh, check out her. Swing with, uh, with Marco's Masterclass. But we have one of the queens of Australian netball and she's now in charge of women's cricket. Sharon McMahon joins us straight after this. With Australian Golf Media, you're back inside the road. Welcome back to the Australian Golf Show. You with Mark Allen and Tiffany Cherry. Joining us now inside the ropes is two-time world netball champion and Commonwealth Games gold medalist, former captain of the Australian netball team. She's won multiple premierships uh, in the national competition, and that's a number of iterations. So I won't go through that. And she is now head of female cricket uh, for Australia. Joining us is a golf enthusiast, Sheryl McMahon.
3: Good morning and yes, I, I was going to say you actually missed one of uh, one of my really big accolades which was finishing like 98th in a couple of years at the
0: Portsy Pro-Am. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, and actually on that point, how nerve-wracking is it when you stand there on the first tee? There's People have already had it, unless you're in the morning session, they've already had a few drinks or they, they've got a few and you've got to hit it straight down that hill. You just hope you get it over the lip and it rolls down and don't hit it into the tree on the left.
3: Yes, it's just such a unique situation. The the first time I played in in that pro am, I literally couldn't get the ball to sit on the tee. I was shaking so much, and people (laughs) were whined either side of. The tea and I'm thinking <laughs> you obviously don't know <laughs> who you're watching right now. I'm like, stand back, people, and yeah, the, and it went like a centimetre off the ground, but like it was this worm burner, that
0: got over <laughs> down the hill. And I'm like, thank God. And with the people yelling, oh, I don't out. have to try and hit it again in front of everyone. And with the people yelling out, that you're not shooting for the Commonwealth Gate," or maybe they were. What were they? What were they yelling out?
1: Um, so, so tell me this, Sherelle. you know, you look at what you've done in sport and in life. I mean, it's it's incredibly impressive. Surely, you know, when you're in that situation on the first tee and the nerves are going crazy, did you kind of reach back to your, you know, to your past? Was there something you did in, you know, in your sporting life that calmed you down that you could have, you know, harked back on? Yeah. Well,
3: do you know what? Probably for me, the biggest thing was preparation, right? When I was performing that was a, a, a big key to what I did. Now, obviously, I didn't have that when I was standing on the T <laughs> at Portsy, so that went out the window. And I actually I think that I've learnt this more post my career because I've started doing um, a little bit of training which uses a, um, a heart rate monitor and you actually really try and set your heart in a heart rate zone, which yeah. I've never really done before. But I realised I probably actually did do that through my career and I did that through breathing. So for me... In, in the stressful moment like that actually a deep breath and a slowing down of your heart rate is um is really helpful in really in any stressful situation but certainly for me in a golfing context when i don't have all that other preparation and stuff that sits around it that can be really helpful
1: yeah that's what i was gonna ask you because in golf the big killer is adrenaline if you've yeah. got adrenaline in your system and you're like All those beautiful little feels go out the window because you want to jump, you know, you want to go crazy. You want to hit it as hard as you can, but you know, you can't in this game. So the breathing, I mean, I've been on the first day a couple of times in my career, extremely nervous and Mm -hmm. in through the nose, out through the mouth. And you can almost feel the adrenaline. You know, you'll still, you'll still be nervous. But you almost feel the adrenaline kind of empty somehow. And it's, 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 it's you know, I love hearing this sort of stuff from, from people from different backgrounds. Mm. When they stand on the first tee, there's some people around, they've got a golf club in their hand and they're expected to nail one down the middle. Quite often, it's the most nervous they've ever <laughs> been in their life. Now, was that yeah, the case yeah. for you? It's,
3: yeah. And isn't that weird? I mean, you, you think you've done all these other things that are far more important than getting the tee, yeah. the ball off the tee at Porty. But um, yeah, it is. It's really nerve wracking. That that's absolutely true. And and again, but not what I've realised with doing this little bit of training that I've been doing is that I actually can drop my heart rate really quickly. Mm, yeah. And um, it's probably it's not something I was taught, but it's obviously something that I've learnt across my career that really helped. And um, just on a bit of a tangent, ca- caffeine is as a thing in uh, that some athletes use as in the right doses because you're not allowed to use too much of it, but it can be something that can improve your uh, performance. But I found as a shooter, I tried it in just one game, a practice match before the um, practice match, and I couldn't calm my heart rate down and I hated that feeling. I hated that feeling of not being able to kind of calm things down. So that was a no fee. No coffee? Well, I do still drink coffee. But
0: (laughs) But, not (laughs) no. Not not as a performance. Yeah, you know, that's right. just on that, I, I know a a surgeon who actually will not drop, touch a drop of coffee and has mm-hmm. the steadiest hands, obviously for obvious yeah. reasons, a brain surgeon. Um and just on the breathing, I was hosting the Winter Olympics and I spoke to um one of the pen oh now, now I'm gonna sound like an idiot. The <laughs> one of the athletes who they do the shooting and the is it pentathlon not pentath- yeah, pentathlon. Yeah, pentathlon. Yeah. Yeah. And um and he taught he told me that he they all the shooters. Uh, they breathe out on their breath and I do that and it rapidly drops your heart rate within um, seconds. So yeah. there's a good one to employ. Hey, so tell us about your new gig with uh, with cricket.
3: Yeah, so um, I've just started, well, I started a new role about two months ago as head of female cricket at Cricket Victoria and um, it's a role that is a new role for Cricket Victoria. So uh, still everyone I think is feeling their way with exactly um, how it operates and, and the best way for it to, to kind of bring everything to life. But it sits right across from the WBBL, right, the um, the senior state team, right through the pathway programs, basically. And I'm connected with community uh, cricket as well through mm. schools. So it's right across the pathway. And, and I think what um, cricket is seeing now, what we're seeing in cricket and in many other sports is that there's re- this real appetite to expand into the female space and um, provide more opportunities for women and girls to um, participate and engage in in the different sports and cricket, certainly in that space, although they've been real leaders in many ways in that space. Um, But my role really is to, to look across that whole pathway and make sure everything's connected and we're not only getting more women and girls playing but we're keeping them in the sport too because that's a real key, that retention piece.
1: Was it intimidating, for for, coming from a golf background, it's quite intimidating to get a lot of the the girls into golf clubs and onto that first tee, like we were talking about before, you know, they they get on that first tee, even at a public course, there might only be five or six people waiting to hit off, but it's an intimidating place. Have you got any tips for us at Golf Australia, how we can make it easy, or is it just something that you've just got to, you know, run through that brick wall at some stage? Yeah,
3: it's a really interesting question, and I think that that's, part of what happens when um when when women or girls are coming particularly maybe women are coming into that space that is more pr- traditionally a male space it um it there can be some different stresses I guess that sit around that and um for us what we've what we've tried to do is it, it acknowledge that that there are some some pieces and some differences that happen and I, and I remember my husband is a member at La Trobe Golf Club in in Alphington and I remember when I first uh, started going out with him, which was like 20 years ago, I would walk into that clubhouse and just instantly feel uncomfortable. Mm. I, I felt like I wasn't wearing the right thing. I didn't know, yep. you know, whether I, people were looking at me strangely and yep. and I think, um, you know, relaxing some of those things over the last 20 years um, for me making my children and mm-hmm. I didn't have kids back then but making my children feel really welcome in that space is, is a massive thing and so acknowledging that there just are some different circumstances often with women when they're coming in there and um, and not being that that's a bad thing it's just acknowledging that and and um, opening yourselves up to to feeling like it's it's okay if things are a, a little bit different or if they have that different feel because um you know that that so many fantastic things that come with
0: um, having other people and families involved in in your environment. And so I know COVID's obviously kept us away from the golf course, but are uh, you back out playing? You played a couple of rounds in and around the new job with uh, with your husband and 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 the kids, and and on the back of that, also, what do you love about golf? I haven't actually, sadly.
3: I've, um, I'm I am still just finding my feet. It's been um, uh, a lot of. Uh, kind of juggling with how full-time well I've not really worked it's not it's four days a week the role I'm doing but I've not really worked like that for many mm. years so it's kind of finding my feet with that around in and around COVID times which is tough so I haven't actually had a chance to get back out there but um, going back to my husband's um, golf club La Trobe, uh they recently introduced a policy where if you have a parent or a grandparent who is a, a, a full member of the club, then your children become um, member, a complimentary members of people, Isn't that fantastic, That's fantastic, that's fabulous, it is, and it is so it's so Such now, a good idea. My daughter is only five, and so she's a bit more challenging to have around that environment just yet. But it just makes us all feel so welcome. And rather than kind of pulling them aside and making them sh- it's kind of like, well, yeah. my 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 son now actually is a member here, so he does have a right to be here, and he does go down with my husband and either now that it's opened up and and have a few few hits on the driving range or sometimes he'll go around and and walk a few holes with him. So that that has significantly changed how Mm. kind of – I think how just comfortable we feel being in that space and I think it's a great initiative.
0: Yeah.
1: Tell us about uh, some young cricketers coming through because when I watch uh, your Australian cricket team performing at the moment, they just break record after record after record. You must just be scratching your head going, wow, this is – Incredible. What sort of talent have we got coming through in the cricket world?
3: Yeah, some fantastic stuff. And I I guess in the Victorian space, we're just incredibly lucky um, to have the likes of Elise Perry and Meg Lanning within the program. So the young players who are coming through are seeing that um, every day. They're seeing um, in that environment when they're there. Of course, they've been away for a period of time with the Aussie program, but, but that is incredibly valuable valuable so Annabelle Sutherland is one um, she made her debut um, in the test match against India just recently um, and she did did some really good stuff Um, Georgia Wareham unfortunately she's actually just re-ruptured an ACL so she's now um, going to go through um, that ACL um, injury rehab Mm -hmm. and, and repair so that's that's a bit of a tough one for her um, so Molyneux, I mean, she's she's certainly not a young player anymore, but she's certainly one that's got, got a fair bit of cricket ahead of her. So she's the, a gun spinner, it, isn't she? She is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she is. And so, you know, the, the in the Victorian program at the moment, we're sending away six players uh, into that Australian environment. So there's some real strength that's coming through there. It's 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 fantastic.
0: And what do you keep your eye on the netball at all still? I mean, you know, you are the queen of Australian netball, you're the Australian um, Sports Hall of Fame as such. So, yeah, is it, does it still capture your attention? Oh, absolutely, and it will. I mean, you know, I've, I love
3: netball. From the moment I could walk, I think, you know, I was around it when my mum was playing. That's when I was first introduced to it. So I've always loved netball and I always will. Um, It's off season at the moment and um, they'll be starting to get back into some training pretty soon. But um, a few people have asked if I'm missing it. And my answer to that is not yet because um, it's kind of nothing's really happening at the moment. But I think once things start to go and and the season starts to happen, um, yeah, I'll miss it. And I will always love netball.
1: We need a crossover from you know the netballers who are just starting to you know, peter out in their career, just to come straight across the gulf.
0: Absolutely. Well,
1: that's we need. We need to get something organised there. I reckon.
0: Definitely, sure well, thing. Well, Sherelle, cannot wait to uh, get back out on the course and and join you for a hit at some stage, and um, we'll watch with great interest as uh, as you continue to work your magic, obviously with the uh, with women's cricket. Definitely, and the cricketers do like golf. I've got yeah, to say, they do.
3: They're away at the WBBL at the moment. When they're back, I'm hitting the course with
0: them for sure. I tell you, what, Alyssa Healy can hit a golf ball, <laughs> yes, and uh, she, she, she actually she won a won a major prize when I put together a golf day a few years ago. So she, keep oh. an eye on her. Yes, oh, yeah.
1: there you go. Very oh, good. Yeah. Thanks, Cheryl.
0: <laughs> no worries. Great to chat, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Sherelle. Well, uh, looking forward to checking in with you at some some stage down the track.
1: I cannot wait.
0: Fantastic. Thanks, guys.
1: I can't wait to hear what Gazelle has for us about young uh, Lucas Herbert. I just cannot wait to hear what this last win has got him.
0: That's exactly right. Martin Blake joining us right after this. With Australian Golf Media, you're back inside the ropes. Well, I hope you're enjoying the Australian Golf Show with Mark Allen and Tiffany Cherry. And joining us now is the Gazelle, Martin Blake, with all the news around the traps. Martin, what have you got for us?
4: Hello, Tiff. Hello, Marco. Uh, well, it's a, always a great week when an Australian wins, isn't it? So <laughs> Lucas Herbert, I, I did listen to Dom party before, and, uh, you know, they, they go way back, those guys. Um, Dom wasn't, uh, you know, a particularly well-known Instructor, I don't think when Lucas picked him up and um, you know, they've always done things a little bit different. They've got Jamie Glazier in that team as well. who's the mind, you know, the mind yep. coach and uh, had him on the show a couple of weeks ago. The big news. I know Marco was, was wanting to know about this is really what that gets for Lucas. Cause he's jumped to number 43 in the world and the, the inside, right the top 50 is the, the key to that. All, all the players know that because the top 50 on the world rankings all get a start in the majors. So Lucas is going to have to hang on to that ranking, but as a tournament winner on the U.S. Tour, that gets him a start for for a start of all next April in the Masters at Augusta. So as a tournament winner, you are in the Masters. If you hold your top fifty ranking, you are in all the majors. You are also in the Tournament of Champions at Kapalua in Hawaii. Superb next year, which is a great thing to play in a limited field, of course. Mm. Uh, you get into the World Golf Championship events, which are all worth about eight million dollars. You yeah. get into the Players Championship, which you spoke huge. about
0: that, so called uh, fifth, fifth yeah. major.
4: Uh, one thing that that there's two other things that I should mention there around Lucas winning. He gets a two-year exemption as yep. well. So, you know, I think, Marco, you mentioned before about him trying to hold his card. He doesn't have to worry about that now. Mm. He doesn't have to play every week. He doesn't have to grind. Yeah. He doesn't have to turn up everywhere to try and get his points up. He's got an exemption to the end of 22-23, uh, which is absolutely huge because it allows him to have his rest when he needs his rest. And he's only he got,
0: 25, isn't he? He's, he's only 25. young. Yeah.
4: yeah, he's 25. Uh, the other thing, Tiff, that I wanted to mention was President's Cup. Uh, end of next year at Quail Hollow in North Carolina. Uh, Lucas is 14th on the points list for the international team. Uh, so he's just outside the rankings at the moment. But on world rankings, he's the ninth ranked international player. So right at this moment, you'd have to think he'd be in that team. And he's never played in a President's Cup, so he would play alongside the likes of Ustausen, Hideki Matsuyama, Abraham, wow. Hansen, Cameron Smith, Sung J M, those yeah. type of guys. He Adam spoke Scott, about Adam it. Scott as well. Yeah, he
0: spoke about it in one of his interviews, saying that he was, yeah, pretty disappointed that he missed the President's Cup at Royal Melbourne um, a couple of years ago, and hopes that one day it'll come back uh, to Australia, or Royal Melbourne, but wherever it might be. But um, that's a sick, that's a massive gap for him.
4: He's also going to have better tea times. Uh, he's going to have more recognition, so television are going to follow him a bit more. And I think that, as Marco mentioned earlier, he, uh, he they're going to like him. Uh, you know, he's a character. He smiles a lot. He can laugh at himself. I mean, yeah. I spoke to him a few weeks ago when he got his card to play on the tour, and he was telling this great story uh, about booking his whole team a flight uh, from wherever they were in the Corn Ferry finals. And he was supposed to book a fight, flight to... Um, uh, Ohio, and he ended mm. up booking a flight to Georgia, wrong, <laughs> to the wrong city. So they all ended up in the hotel, they all ended up in a in a, in the wrong hotel in in Columbus, Georgia, instead of Columbus, Ohio. So, and he he was laughing his head off at of that. So he, I sh- I should mention that he at the end of 2019, Lucas Herbert was number 201 in the, in the world. He's now mm. number 43.
1: That that's a that's a rise that suggests that he's very very good, Just don't you on- think? I think he could be be anything. Yeah, he could be anything. At twenty five years old, he's just got every part of the game that you need to, to to play and contend in the big tournaments. The other thing too, Martin, I, I noticed that he went from like something in the two hundreds to number five on the FedEx Cup uh, list. Now you you want to stay in that top thirty as long as you can to get to that last uh, tournament, you know, in, in the end
4: to a championship.
1: Yeah, yeah. That, yeah it, so you know when you when you're in the top ten in the FedEx Cup, um, things just Things change for you on that tour. You're no longer hitting off last, you know, in the morning or in the afternoon on Thursday, Friday. You're getting the TV times yeah. because you know you're you're at, this kid's going to be an excitement machine. The big tournaments, after seeing how he plays and understanding that you know he's someone who could draw people through the gates, they're going to be just putting out the red carpet for Lucas Herbert. I mean, it's it's, it's just you know it is a complete game changer. For every part of his golf career, and probably more importantly, his life changes forever.
0: Yeah. Hey, he's a, boy, ca-
1: a boy from Bendigo.
0: <laughs> his caddy Nick Pugh said, he was interviewed obviously after the win, he said he's one of the most talented golfers on the planet. He hits shots that no one else can hit. Hmm. So give us an insight into some of those shots that you guys have witnessed.
1: Well, look, I, I played with him in the first two rounds of a Victorian Open about five years ago and it was an extremely windy first couple of days. And on the 17th hole uh, on one of the courses there at 13th Beach, uh, there's a par five and there's a water carry there that's 290 yards if you dare, um, or you go the other way. It was into it was into a huge wind. So, you know, I'm 47 years old. I'm not even looking at the water. I'm, I'm going so far <laughs> left it's not funny. I saw Lucas Herbert, and like, I promise you it was a three or maybe even a four club wind and a 280-yard carry. So what's that, 250 metres? He just, he didn't even see the water, guys. I mean, he just, he got up with the driver. He teed it as high as he possibly could. No low tee into the wind anymore. All that stuff's out the window. Teed it as high as he possibly could and hit a laser beam straight across the water that landed... 25 yards. I mean, it wasn't, the water wasn't even significant in his mind. Now, mm-hmm. that's, that is a different way that, you know, that's a different way of playing when you have that much confidence into the wind. You know, on a normal day, yeah, no worries. You know, there's not, not much wind around and the wind can't touch the ball nearly as much. You know, you just jump on one and away it goes. You know, you can, you can get an extra 20 yards carry yeah. if, if, if you're a good player and you've been practicing. But doing it into the wind, it's a different ball game because if, if you hit it off the heel a little bit, there's extra spin. If you hit it off the toe a little bit, it doesn't go as high. You know, the extra spin off the heel, the ball would have balloon straight in the water. A little bit of uh, off the off the toe, the ball doesn't go as high, and who knows, possibly in the water. But this kid had so much mm. just belief that he could middle it and nail it across. I mean, yeah, that, that that's just one shot that sticks in my mind playing with the kid.
4: Marco and Tiff, I would categorize him as a bit of a maverick. He has a crack, and he can get it wrong. He can, and he can go very low. Um, he hits it a long way. And, uh, yeah, a lot of self-belief, Marco. I, I think it's pretty exciting, the setup at the moment, with Australian golf, I've got mm. to say. L- listen to these ages. Lucas Herbert, 25. Minwoo Lee, 23. Mm. He's just outside the top 50 mm. in the world. Cam Smith's only 28.
1: Hang on, hang on. Cameron- go back, go back. Did you say Minwoo Lee's just outside the top 50 in the world? Yeah, he's about 64, I think. That is remarkable. Wow. Cameron
4: Cameron Smith, 28. Cameron Davis, who won in America this year, 26. Uh, On the women's side, Minji Lee, 25, major winner. Hannah Green, 24, major winner. Mm. Um, Wow. We've got a a fantastic cluster of young, sort of mid-20s type players, and Lucas is obviously at the heart of that. Um, I I think it's going to be good times for quite a long time.
0: Hey, Augusta, next April is going to be
1: magnificent to watch. Can't wait! Can't wait! What else you got for us, man? What about the shark,
4: uh, Marco? I did mention last week that mm. that he might uh, bob up as the head of this new Saudi operation in Asia, oh, and that on. has that has come to fruition. Two hundred million dollars for ten events uh, that are partnered by the Asian Tour over the next uh, ten. Two years. hundred
1: million dollars for ten events. Twenty million an event.
4: Yeah, yeah, I, I presume that, that includes the the costs as well. Has a, it's had a sort of mixed response? Um, I was just reading a column by Eamon Lynch, who's a very well known golf writer, who who basically said that Norman's got sort of uh, you know uh, deprivation of uh, of uh, attention. You know, it just yep. needs to be in, in the spotlight. Yep. But look, and in Amnesty International, not happy with it. They call it sports washing weather. You know they're not happy with the Saudi Arabian, uh, you know, human rights and that sort of thing. But it's interesting. I mean, I guess the the big thing about it is whether you know are they going to sign players? Um, the so- the Saudi Super Golf League that everyone's been talking about is actually a separate thing. So mm. this, as it stands, to me is is it looks like it's probably quite a good thing in the sense that the Asian Tour is going to get some really big events, and the Asian Tour has been smashed by COVID. So. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll 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 watch this space with that one.
1: I think there's two questions, Martin. Um, uh, the, your question, the first one's the obvious one: Will they sign players? The second question, Tiff. Now, this this is a biggie. Will the US tour penalise players yes. who sign up? Yes. To this tour, that 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 will be the big one. So, if Phil Mickelson, who's just turned fifty, won a US PGA, um, you know, in amazing fashion last year, is a superhero in America a superhero. If he signs up does the US tour have the stones to go okay that's it for you you can't play here anymore. Mm. Now if that happens then that tour is no more it's over. And I'm a big believer in that. Otherwise they're only they might as well just have a you know a quasi Champions Tour over there because just people at the very end of their career are going to play because there's no way that you're going to get banned. <laughs> there's no way. I tell if you you're what, a thirty-three be- year old, and yeah, Phil Mickelson's no. just been banned from the US Tour. There's just no way you're going to play. There's just what, no it'd, way.
0: It'd be a great PR stint though. <laughs> <I tell>
1: you <laughs> You'd what, have really.
0: world news going berserk.
1: It would. It would put golf on the f- back page of every paper absolutely. in the world. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. Well, watch this for the wrong game. reasons. Hey, hey Gazelle, two, I'm gonna, no, I'm gonna call yours, I'm gonna call your segment Gazelle's
1: guest. Oh that's, fa- that's my next one. Hey, anyway, guys.
0: No, 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 uh, Two more
4: things. Uh, the Queensland Industry Awards were on during the week, and Grant Field, who's the coach of Cameron Smith and Louis Dobler, who's the Australian amateur champion, men's amateur champion, won the major award there. As the coach of the year. So I wanted I to that. mention that. And the last one is a nice little grassroots one. I I love this story by Tony Wiebeck on PGA.org.au during the week alan welsh is the c-grade champion at sanctuary cove golf club in queensland he he won it last weekend yeah he's 92 years old (laughs) that is superb. he's 92 and he won the c-grade championship uh his opponent was 32 years younger than him and he's broken his age 80 times marco that's that's something for you to think about breaking your age i I, I would love
1: that's coming my I, goal. I would love to shoot my. I, I think personally, shooting your age is better than a holy so. one. It's better than you know, albatross. It's 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 better than so many things. If you can get to a point in this game when you're 83 years old and you shoot 82 or 81 or 83, that is. Uh, more of an achievement than I think I've ever done in my career. Yeah, I, I, a, and I really, a really cool that. thing. So I'm waiting to see you, uh, you know, work on that,
4: Marco. When you're yeah. when you're about 80, you could probably I, shoot 80. No, no. Yeah, 60, 80. Could I still shoot
1: 60, 80 if I'm 68 years old? Well, what did you shoot at Kingston Heath last week? I no, was just 66, Martin. That wasn't a big deal, mate. I have,
0: a, I have a friend who every year he gets older, he plays that many holes every year. Could you Does do he? that, Marco? Yeah. no, but he's, no, no. He's no, now no. about 64, 63, I think.
1: Uh, once a week is all I need, just one game a week and <laughs> hey, a little bit of practice and that'll do me.
0: Hey, I've got one just before you go, uh, Blake. Um, Martin, sorry. Um, feedback from a friend, Dave Oakley. Hi, Tiff. I saw the golf show and thought I'd share this with you. This has to be a common experience male bias i only noticed this when playing with my partner so deb had time for the first time in 10 years to play nine holes with me she noticed that on each hole the members and men's tees had the mud map and the distances and most of the time they weren't visible from the women's tee a lot of people Uh do play with apps now to tell them that stuff but it would make golf more uh, equitable and accessible if both tees had the same information on them on all golf courses.
1: So, so some courses, Tiff, what what happens is if you have to walk past the men's tee, they kind of just put it in that area. Mm. But there are other golf courses where, for for instance, if you have to walk back to the men's tee, then that mud map will be you know where everybody has to go past. So, look, there's a couple of golf courses that are left. Um, I'm not going to say the dark ages, but they just haven't thought about it. That's all it is. It's do we need, not do we need
4: men's and women's tees at all? Some some clubs around the world are starting to put tees based on,
1: on uh, ability yeah. to play. Like yeah, that's Indica. right. It's a much better way to do it. Yep. There shouldn't be ladies tees. There should be diff- just different colours. And yeah. and one of the great things that golf club makers are doing at the moment. There's no ladies shafts. You know, it's that they're, they're gone. It's yeah, just you see the extra stiff, stiff, yep. whatever's suitable. Yeah, yeah, whatever's next. And uh, yeah, those things are great for golf. I'm well, glad the- we're leading the way there.
0: Although just back on the ladies' tees, I do like it every now and then when I just stroll up about another 100 metres and, and just mm. take a nice drive. Anyway, on that note, thank you, Martin, for joining us. No Especially worries, Elf. Thanks, Marco. Checking in next week with all the news with you. And uh, we'll be back with Marco's Masterclass after this short break. With Australian Golf Media, you're back inside the ropes. Well, Marco, just before we close out the Australian Golf Show, what have you seen this week for Marco's Masterclass?
1: Well, I've seen Lucas Herbert do this a couple of times now. His bunker shot on the 16th hole, a low one into the wind that spins. Now, it's the dream of many players to hit this sort of shot. Now, Mm. if you're on an upslope and you've got wet sand and you're into the wind, this makes the shot really easy. It does. It makes it really easy. But getting the ball to start low is the hard part. And I've seen him do this in, in Ireland. He did it in the last round to win a tournament. Just beautiful shots. Now, if you want the ball to go up, it's um, the wrists Kind of, you know, they don't go normally. It's it's nice and loose, and it's a nice uh, long swing, and you've got plenty of time to flick that bottom hand under, and the ball will pop up. Yep. But if you want to hit the low shot, I've always found that if you take the club away low, so I know we're gonna. I'm gonna show you this next time we go down to the driving range. But if you can take the club away low, so in a bunker, folks, if, you, if you're new to the game, you're not allowed to put the sand iron, the, the club on the sand. Yep. But you hover the club above the sand and then you take it low along the sand. You don't, you're not, it doesn't come up in a, in a short circle. If you do this and experiment with it, you'll find that the ball will come out lower Uh, And if you are, you know, hitting a shot like uh, Lucas did on the 16th, if you're on an upslope, if you've got some wet sand and you're into the wind, you'll find that the ball will skid on the first bounce and then stop. So it's all in the backswing. A low backswing will make the ball come out lower. It's nice and simple.
0: All in the backswing. I'm off to the driving range to go and practice that right now. Thank you, Mark. Mark Allen with uh, Marco's Masterclass. And if you've got some suggestions or feedback for us, or some ideas of what you want on the show, email us at media at golf.org.au or follow us on Twitter at ostgolfshow Show and leave a message. Hey, thanks, Marco. Great to Pleasure. be joining you again. And Talk to uh, you next week. Check in next week.